how do you think your God will judge you? Well, friends, now we know. When there is no more room in hell, the dead will walk the earth. another fun-filled episode of the Fear of God podcast, your favorite podcast that bridges that uh, lonely gap between uh, the the Christian faith and the horror genre in all its many forms. Uh, my just favorite podcast in general, I, I'm an avid listener, as you may be as well. Um, with you right now is one of your typical hosts. Nathan Rouse. Typically with me is fellow just thespian and, you know, all around swell fellow Reed Lackey. He was here a second ago. And I've got to be honest, he was looking a little worse for wear. He said on his way to record that some strange person bit him, which is really an odd thing. I I get it. Um, But, you know, whatever. It's a weird world we're living in right now. Up is down, left is right, people bite each other. So that's kind of just the world we're in. Um, Like I said, he was here a minute ago. I'm sure he'll be back in just a second, uh, all well and ready to go. In the meantime, while we do anxiously await his return, if you have not before, um, we would just, it it would thrill our hearts if you would be willing to go leave a rating or a view uh, on iTunes. Um, It would just make us leap for joy. And we can post Instagram videos of doing this. Um, uh, if you subscribed to our podcast, we are we are here for you. We love to make you guys smile and laugh and think, and occasionally shed a little tear. Um, and so it would be it would mean a lot to us if you'd be willing to go leave a rating, a review, and or to subscribe to our podcast. Read, hey, whoa, hey, buddy, you. Okay. I don't. I don't feel so good, man. Oh no! It's, that yeah. How's how how's that bite? Well, he got me like as you can see, not like all down the side of my face. You know, like not they so bit much your here. Face. He did. Yeah, what? I don't really know. I had never met him before, but I guess he. You it know, just like, kind of leapt out at you. He he came in, and at first I thought he was whispering a secret to me, and then it just then yeah. it just all sort of happened, and and so now. Just, uh, Reed! Oh my god! 
and not right here. Oh my God, Reed! Reed, somebody go help him! Uh, I gotta call 911. Uh, I don't know how long <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. We didn't, there's, we there's, didn't kind of a, brief how, there's kind of a ceiling yeah. on how long that can go, you know, because either so you're... pre-brief uh, how committed we were going to be. Right. Either either you're uh, an undead zombie who's just going to be that way for the entire recording, or we just stop, you know, just, just um, dead in our tracks. <laughs> you know what? If I was not so invested in, like, actually producing quality content every episode or as quality as we can make it, <laughs> I would totally commit to you just having these sort of things. Yeah. Just going... Yeah, 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 yeah. That would be that would be a that would be a fun gimmick for like five minutes. But (laughs) and then it would get old. Yeah, much longer than that. Even I would be like, okay, I'm done. That and that was episode 105 of the Fear of God. Thanks, everybody. (laughs) Be sure to subscribe to this garbage. (laughs) Oh my gosh! Exactly. So, so you're okay. You're okay. You are good. It really was not a bite. It was just a kiss. Just a little kiss on the forehead. It was just. It was just a little kiss. Or he was coming up to whisper, and he was like seven days. He did not do that. He did not do that this time. No, not this time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Fortunately, it was just a person with no teeth. And so there was no real, so you didn't turn into a zombie because it was actually How funny just, would that be? This poor zombie just like, I can't get anything going. <laughs> I can't. The, the, get to the typewriter, the elderly undead, you know? Oh, it's like, gosh. It that just, is hysterical. It doesn't spread. It just does not spread. It's like one. There's just one undead elderly person. But everybody's so afraid one. of him that they won't, and they feel bad because he's elderly right, and right. they don't want to put him down. But they're afraid of him, so they don't go near him. It's it's just, it's sad. It's a really keep, tragic tale about, it's a metaphor for the elderly in America. You know, it's, we don't know what to do with them, so we just don't. It's awful. <laughs> they, keep trying, they keep trying to figure out how to zombify SpaghettiOs and mashed potatoes. Oh, just wow. <laughs> yeah, they, they just fling it at him, you know? <laughs> Better than what he flings at them. Oh, oh wow. Oh, stop. Wow. Stop. We were onto something there, and then it went kind of... <laughs> It went off the rails a little bit. And then it turned. Yeah. Speaking of turning, Reed, we are, brother, you know, I know audience members are like, huh? Uh, and more so than usual. Normally, <laughs> normally they scratch their heads a bit. Now they're really like, wait a minute. You guys said something totally different. And now you're throwing me for a loop. So we <laughs> did not. the Bronx. Right, right. We did our number two over the course of three weeks. And. We thought we were done, but you know, sometimes it's just, you know, it doesn't matter if you think you're done. You just aren't done. You know, I mean, like, it doesn't matter. You know, you just had that other, that second cup of coffee during the day. You know, oh, it dear was Lord. just, you oh, had, dear Lord. There was, oh, there's, there's just God. always more number two to do. Do. I, I um, so, I, so, 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 <laughs> so we are wading back into number two. Um, to, oh, did you have give, to use the word waiting? Oh, it was very intentional. It's on my notes right now. I'm seeing, I'm looking at it. Um, <laughs> so um, audience members won't know, listeners won't know that it really does take a lot to produce these episodes sometimes. And we are gearing up. And I'm, dude, I'm excited. I'm not just excited to be back on the throne for this week, but I am also excited because we do have Quarterly King around the corner um, mm-hmm. we wanted, we really wanted to give this the time, uh, the gestation time it needed. Um, so what we have done is we decided let's throw another number two on the pile. 
Um, so that's today, and we'll get to what we're talking about today in a second. Um, we are beginning next week. We, we, the much hyped, hype, much, hype, ba- hype. much ballyhooed, I Love the <laughs> 80s. It is our second edition of our I Love series. Um, you know, for the next couple of years, who knows where this will finish we just don't know but our love I love, has no ends no it, do, it really doesn't it's <laughs> it's the love of god you know it's for too, one oh, one month yes. a year the fear of god turns into the love of god where we just <laughs> i don't know so next week we do begin out of the 80s it is a five episode because there are count them one two three four five tuesdays in october this year which is exciting um oh, so we much. will be tracking through some of the most seminal horror movies of the 1980s decade at the once that is done so the very first episode of november is going to be quarterly king number four which is going to be the stand we wanted to give you guys ample opportunity if you're trucking through this book um if you've never read it it is a worthy investment of time um you know feel free to watch the miniseries if you want it is it is a good primer um and it's good enough to get you on board the conversation for what you'll need um but we really want to do that upright we're going to have some special guests for that episode so we wanted to allot the the amount of time necessary to make that sing, to make the king sing, if you will. So we did decide, yes, to wade back into number two. And, you know, we were going back and forth, like, what is another sequel we can do? What is another reiteration or new iteration of a film that we can do? And read, we are, after, <laughs> after just, after pouring out the love for his latter catalog uh, for, for, two, for two years now, we finally yeah. got the opportunity to make it work, you know, to make a Zack Snyder film happen on the fear of God Absolutely. Uh, in our, <laughs> is it appropriate that it's in number two? I don't know. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll know more by, by the end of the conversation. <laughs> oh my the, God. the Zack Snyder fans are like, Oh my God, Nathan, you're the worst. You're the, <laughs> you're the number two, Nathan. Um, so we are discussing Dawn of the Dead today. It does seem odd in a, in a series about sequels, but listen, Dawn of the Dead, Zack Snyder 2004, Dawn of the Dead, is a remake of a sequel. Yes. So it just kind of works. In the way that Freddy and Jason worked in number two, we're making Dawn of the Dead work in number two. Uh, if you've never seen this movie, um, you don't need anything to watch it. It is you know worth your time. Um, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. So, so sure, we are jumping sure. back into that. Okay. So I, I don't know if you showed up ready to talk about the stand, but I'm throwing you a major curveball if you were. I know I've, I've got to, uh, I'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> and Reed is back after having just okay. watched I'm good. Uh, I'm good. Dawn, Dawn of the Dead 2004. <laughs> um, Four. I do want to make a quick announcement. I referenced this a couple episodes ago. Um, but yes, we are. I just looked at the calendar again. I think I messed up the dates last time I mentioned this. But the Halloween 2018 will be releasing October 19th. That is a Friday. I am currently planning to uh, let's let's have a little Charlotte side of the country meetup. Um, look for details on that a little closer to time. Um, but would love to see some of you guys out to see Halloween 2018 on October 19th. So be looking for that. I'm so talking, excited. I'm talking a lot, Reed. What I want <laughs> to do is just instead of talk, I. I want to sing to you, buddy. Oh, I want to sing I, to am you. Am I going to be in a song? So I just want to, I just read, oh you know, God. it feels like it's been too long since I've just, you know, just kind of inquired of you. What are you watching? <laughs> what are you reading? 
I so badly wish that listeners could see your face as you're making this. Because at first it went from this big, you know, like just the wide grin, yeah. little teethy smile, and then like a kind of a gruff little, like almost a frowny face. When yeah, the frowny one. face. And then the last one, it really looked like you were making out with the microphone. Yeah. That was really good. That well, was really cute. That's what I do, bro. Um, <laughs> that's me. So with, like we did with I Love the 90s, we are not going to be doing what you're watching during I Love the 80s. There's just too much ground to cover. We got too much good stuff to dig up. Um, yes, yes, yes. So I wanted Reed to do a little bit of a lightning round with you. Can I do that? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, there's a couple things I didn't pre-brief you on, but I imagine you have probably seen that we'll, we will be able to discuss real quickly. So I've got awesome. about six, six or seven items here. I just want to do a little lightning round, what you're watching, and then we'll move Kabam. into, we'll just, we'll just jump into the number two. Um, <laughs> so first, Reed Lackey, the yes. next installment in the MCU has gotten its first teaser trailer in Captain Marvel starring Brie Larson. Yes. I'm presuming oh you've gosh. seen this trailer. Oh, absolutely. It's fantastic. Dude, it's that's so a exciting. great yes. trailer. That's an exciting, exciting hype. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm super thrilled. Everything about it looks great. I almost don't want to see any more. Yeah, I want to just I'm go right into it in uh, March. Because really at this, yeah, it's March. Really at this point, especially with these big tentpole movies like this, like if you don't kind of know the MCU vibe, like that's just, I don't know where you've been hiding. Like <laughs> all, all I need is just a little flavor to get to, to whet the appetite. I'm good. I really don't Absolutely. want much more because much more footage. Now, don't get me wrong. I will probably watch subsequent trailers, but I don't really want to. Um, right. I right. think I don't I th- need any more. Right. I think for years there was concern. Can they pull off the scrolls visually? I don't know what they'll do exactly, but the, the current visual they've released of those scrolls on the shore look great. So, oh, yes, I'm excited. Gosh, yes. Excited for Captain Marvel. Um, dun, dun, take, dun. Taking a pivot into a really dark place right now. They also have released the trailer for Mary Poppins Returns. Reed. Did you watch the trailer <laughs> for Mary Poppins Returns? This this one I have not made it to yet. So <laughs> so I, I saw the very first teaser, which I thought was really nice. Yes. Um, okay, right, I, right. I forgot about that I have one. Not, yes. Yeah, but I have not uh, seen the new uh, official trailer. It will it will warm your heart. You know, oh. uh, it, 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 it will... It, that's a, that's a tall order to live up to, but um, I think Emily Blunt as Mary Poppins will once again prove that who are we if we can't protect them, and she's going to pull it off in Mary Poppins, oh. the Return of Mary Poppins. I was, I was, <laughs> I was making a quiet place reference there. Um, I know, no, I understand. Now you shot me. Okay, moving on down the the, the lightning round here. You shot me this trailer the other day. I watched it. I took a number two uh, right there on the spot. Um, yes. The Apostle yes. or Apostle. I'm not sure. Which I think one it's. It is. I think it's just called Apostle. It's coming to Netflix, and yes, yes Gareth Edwards. Just, yes, and it sure looks terrifying. It looks graphic and terrifying. Oh, it, yeah, it looks oh really terrifying. Gosh. Word I'm on like the simultaneously st- eager and not ready. Word on the street has it: the Fear of God fan sites are rumoring that um, the podcast may have a means to to feature this in some fashion at the Ooh. turn of turn of 2019. Yes. You know. Check out that um, the user on there whose name is I'm not Nathan uh, on the Fear of God fan <laughs> site. He's 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 got a remarkable finger on the pulse of what's been going on behind the scenes here. <laughs> That's awesome. Yes, um, yes, so yes. moving right along, Castle Rock episode ten and or season one. What did you think? Sure. So my fir- my initial reaction is like 
I firmly liked where it landed. I can't say that I loved where it landed, but I am I am content. I'm satisfied with the overall arch. I kind of like the the ambiguity that they introduced into the the character, uh, all right. frequently known as the kid, um, in the latter episodes, known spoiler alert everybody as Henry Deaver. Um, but I like how it left you with this sort of question mark of okay, was the story we saw in episode nine really the truth? Or was it some sort of facade and he's really this evil, Instinct, evil incarnate yeah. kind of thing? Um, so, you know, I was I was at first I was really kind of head scratching like, what? What was it? Did I miss something? I, I actually rewound it and watched the last 10 minutes a second time immediately when I finished the episode and then sort of realized, no, they're, they're sort of digging their heels in on uh, our Henry Deaver, who we knew as Henry Deaver through the course of Castle Rock. Right is very much taking a a similar position as his predecessors with no right. this is this is an evil John being Locke. yes right. um this is an evil being we need to to keep him contained and so um so yeah i mean i i will eagerly await what they do in subsequent seasons i wonder if they will come back to this one part of me feels like that is where the story of the kid slash Henry Deaver slash the schisma or whatever they call that little thing out in the woods uh, is now concluded, at least for the time being. But no, you, I mean, you, I like you and I, you and I might refer to that as a thinny. A thinny. Our that's exactly right. Readers may as well. Um, exactly right. Yes. I like thematically where the season ended with what you just described, a bit of ambiguity, a bit less plot centric and more kind of idea centric. I like that. Sure. Um, sure. I also liked some of the diversions they did, like the queen, of course, as we referenced as a great episode. I love, I love the bed and breakfast proprietor side story. That was Um, great. That was fantastic. Um, I am curious from you, um, you know, that there's now maybe I'm spoiling something here. Did you see the mid credit sequence? Oh yes, no, absolutely. Okay, okay. But I, but I find it difficult to believe that they will actually dig into that because then, like, why call the series Castle Rock if you're then going right. to no, I don't go disagree, somewhere that's not Castle Rock? But yes, I I agree with your sentiment, if not your statement. Mm. <laughs> uh, only because I think it wouldn't surprise me if they do pivot to that, and I don't know how I feel about that. Um, but we'll see. We, yeah. we will find out, just like yeah. the rest of America. Because all of America is tuned into Castle Rock, last uh, mm-hmm. pen, the penultimate on the lightning round list. Reed, you and I had the privilege and joy of Yay! if of of attending a movie together, if not the privilege and joy of what of our takeaway from what we did watch a movie together. Yes, um, Reed and I did have the opportunity very recently <clears throat> to spend a few very brief hours together, uh, during which we did happen to sneak away and go watch. Searching with John Searching. Um, I'll let you lead on your brief thoughts on Searching. I don't get the seemingly uh, torrent of affection for this film. So, right? um, I'm about to have a very unpopular opinion with the rest of the world. Not with me. Not with me. Not with you. The rest of the world doesn't matter, Reed. <laughs> you and I felt, I think, very similar similarly about this film. Um, I, here's how searching breaks down for me without any specific uh, plot spoilers, because man, there are twists and turns aplenty in this story. Um, Too plenty, one might say. <laughs> yes. Um, it is for 35 to 40 minutes, 
an incredibly riveting, terrifying, gripping film. For an additional 20 to 25 minutes, it is a an okay, a pretty decent little sort of uh, mystery slash, uh, you know, surprise thriller. And then in the final 20 minutes, it becomes an utterly, in my opinion, preposterous, ridiculous um, kind of where in the world did all of that come from? Have no idea, and undermines, in my feeling, a lot of the the thematic things that they were building up to in the first third, and so left me feeling terribly cold towards it. Did not really wind up caring for it almost at all. I I think I eventually gave it like two and a half or three stars out of five, purely for how gripping and affecting those first thirty five to forty minutes were, and I do think they genuinely were quite quite powerful but then just as the twists and turns began to layer on i was just like oh dear lord this is utterly preposterous they lost me they completely yeah, lost me yeah. with where they tried isn't to that land well and, story. and I'll, I'll partner with you uh, in solidarity on your hot take there um i and it's so unfortunate when you watch when you see the and hear me like i can own that sometimes you know we just have different opinions i don't mean you and i but like you know you, you can be a thoughtful media consumer and, and just be like, well, uh, I guess what I'm trying to say right now, uh, clumsily. So is I'm not emotionally invested enough in the movie searching to care a ton that I feel yeah. differently than a lot of uh, the, what the world as it were. Um, sure. but, but I'm with you. I felt like now, and, and this is coming from me who would have given the movie unfriended a hard pass until we've covered it and loved it. Um, the first one. And I, I think, Searching does a much poorer version of what Unfriended does in terms of its, yes. its, its, its gimmick. And like you, like that first half hour is very strong. I got kind of caught up in the emotionality of it and it just really yeah, did correct. And that's such a, a disheartening feeling in a movie when you start invested and just the further it goes, the more you're like, can someone just turn it off now? Because I had some good feelings. Oh, and they yes. just they just keep dissipating. Oh, now, yeah. And then the credits roll, and you're like, "Well, you had me there, <laughs> but you definitely lost me." <laughs> Absolutely. And I was really, yes, I was really ultimately left very uh, just flat by yeah, yeah. by how they 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 tried to make it shocking, and I think. To me, I was left less shocked and more just bewildered. Like that's like there's no way all of that had really been going. I mean, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and the other thing too is just like they really had some gripping sort of stuff going on about like, hey, do I really know my child? Sure, who has an internet life, and how cor- correlative is that internet life with? The, the real what I know of them. Right. And I thought they were really getting into some different stuff. And I will say this without I mean, this is a sort of side spoiler. I'm not giving away any plot details here, but I will say this. Ultimately, the film kind of lands on like, yeah, uh, actually, uh, sometimes the Internet life is exactly the same as the real life. And uh, you should, you know, sometimes just other people be crazy and you're not you're not right you necessarily yeah. and yeah. that really disappointed me i was like oh okay all right never mind but to say too much more on that would be to actually yep. spoil the film that at this point maybe several other people are still interested in seeing so we would probably recommend that you not necessarily waste your time but a large or put another way we might suggest you not search out searching <laughs> yes um, searching for something else <laughs> lest you be possibly searching for the door 
<laughs> uh, very last what you're watching is I did finish reading The Stand for the second time in my 38 years it is worth your time I know you're quite close to the end um, yeah the last like you, 100 pages or so yeah yeah it's a good work and everyone should at least freshen yourself just in general just freshen yourself but also um, <laughs> you know, number two everybody uh, right <laughs> uh, you know prep yourself for that conversation it's going to be good so read that yes I mean, you want to take so, us out? Okay, so, yeah, I, no, well, I've got one quick like Oh, round do it. I'll, yeah, please. I'll toss in. So, uh, Netflix subscribers, if you have not already uh, located this film uh, and a TV series that sort of correlates to it, I would uh, give a hearty, hearty recommendation to the, the Netflix original, if I understand correctly, TV series called The Toys That Made Us. Mm, yep. Small, 45-minute segments focusing on toy lines such as Star Wars, Barbie, G.I. Joe, Lego, He-Man. If you were a child of the uh, 70s and or 80s, uh, the, this is nostalgia galore and it is it they, there's some great well-constructed little episodes i've really loved sort of dive, i loved the barbie episode and i never played with a barbie in my life i mean it's really did fascinating you know? did you i wasn't gonna that. say i wasn't gonna say nothing just you had let so, lackey's dream house <laughs> lackey's dream house <laughs> malibu lackey so um basically <laughs> the, um <laughs> So, but, uh, but no, they're, they're great. The episodes are really wonderful. And I would also highly recommend a film that is kind of a 90 minute version of those 45 minute episodes called the power of gray skull specifically. And it's and subtitled. <laughs> yes, because it is subtitled the definitive history of he man and the masters of the universe. Nathan. Interesting. Wow. This, this is a fantastic documentary. If you're not quite ready to invest in the, the series uh, model, check out that film the power of gray skull even if you never played with the he-man and the masters of the universe action figures it reminded me and this is another conversation for another time but this film not only sort of reminded me what i loved about those toys specifically but it reminded me how much fun we had just playing with those little plastic toys like there was so much imagination in it there was a lot of uh specific you know tooling and craft that actually went into the design of the characters and this documentary does a really good job of sort of hitting the highlights but not spending too long on any one element of it uh they clip right along and it's it's very it's a very well constructed wonderful documentary i highly recommend it if you were a a child who loved to play with little action figures or play sets, you know, the multi-layered play sets of any variety, um, then this is probably going to bring back a wave of nostalgia, even if you didn't, you know, have the Masters of the Universe toys. It is fantastic. Can't recommend it highly enough. You will feel like a kid again. It will make you want to break out the toys from the attic and play with them all over again. It's wonderful. Uh, both the series, the toys... To our, yeah, anyone who listened to, the, to our The Shape of Water uh, episode knows <laughs> our mutual affection for He-Man. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, true. I'm gonna possibly deflate your balloon here real quick. Have you seen the idiotic sort of response to this new She-Ra? Have you seen this at all? No, no. So there's a new She-Ra series that I think is gonna be on like Cartoon Network or something like that. That um, is very, it it sets out to intentionally de uh, or diminish what the producers saw as a more sexualized version of She-Ra back in the '80s, and so uh, it's a, it's a more like teen girl princess of power sort of approach in the character designs okay and oh my god Reed, the, I, i'm so sick of nerds they lost their minds 
This is not, oh. this is not, not my Shira. you know. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. It's so ridiculous. How about hashtag never your end? Yeah. Isn't like, that a good way to sour your moment? It's not your, it's not yours. Like, right. oh, never mind. And you're probably a 40 year old dude. Shut up <laughs> and contribute productively oh. to society. But I will say without spoiling specifics that in the power of Grayskull, they actually do a directly address sort of the femininity of the She-Ra character. And uh, they have, I did not realize that a lot of the episodes of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe and a lot of the influence in the She-Ra development, um, they were one of the first studios to employ a, a woman director. And, right. and she directed a lot of the uh, He-Man and the Masters of the Universe cartoons. Sure. Um, th- that studio in general, as the documentary puts it, was very empowering to female artists, female directors. They gave them a lot of equal standing when other studios were not. So uh, go check out the documentary. It's fantastic they do address obviously the original she-ra and her creation right right, right. um but it but yeah it's 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 wonderful can't recommend it enough it's it's great it was very cool well so uh, that uh that concludes yet another episode of what you watching what you reading what are you listening what are you listening to what are you listening to (laughs) there you go I have the power! Hey, man. Bum, oh my bum, gosh, bum, so bum, 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 bum. Let's just talk about that. I mean, who really needs <laughs> Zack Snyder? <laughs> oh my gosh. His career, his career. I mean, you his, are so. I know, I know. Rude. I'm just, no, come on. He is beloved. I know, by the, no, he I is know. beloved by the Lord. Um, so let's do it, Reed. Let us, let us jump back into okay. the pile of number two, and we are going to talk today. About 2004's Dawn of the Dead. Um, Indeed. And it is, in fact, not just Zack Snyder's first directorial feature, but it is also, at least partially, I don't think he did every aspect. I do think there's some other credit as well, but James Gunn as screenwriter. Um, yeah, but that wasn't just his first. Discussed. No, I didn't, uh, no, I didn't mean to imply that was his first. I'm, that's why I said oh, gotcha. Zack Snyder's directorial debut, also written by... Um, yeah, written by James Gunn, um, and we, which actually was a uh, at the time. We, maybe we will do this just sort of for the life of the fear of God. Uh, we've certainly already done it, but some fans are just idiots. Like some some wow. fan, some fans are just <laughs> morons. I thought you just said I was harsh. <laughs> well, like like honestly, like here's the thing: is that they basically. Um, they said when James Gunn was hired to write the remake of Dawn of the Dead, there was a huge backlash of people being like, you mean the guy who wrote the Scooby-Doo movies is going to be taking Dawn of the Dead? Not my Dawn of the Dead or whatever. I don't even think Twitter was around back then. Right, right. But, but like they, there was this huge backlash. And sometimes it just frustrates the crap out of me that people are just like, can't you number two. just, <laughs> why don't you just let somebody have a shot at doing it? Now, once the work's out there, once the work's out there, I think it's more fair to sure. respond. I mean, we just, yeah. you know, we we just sort of railed against what, you know, that searching didn't really work for us. And, and you know, we certainly have given, you know, our fair But there's thoughtful to- critique. And then there's, <laughs> yes. yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, I just can't stand when people are like, oh, man, I hate this casting choice. We mentioned Captain Marvel earlier, and then I promise I'll step off of this little platform. Soapbox, Captain- soapbox, right? It's a soapbox. Yes, it's a soapbox. It's a thing people yeah. used to stand on in the public square. <laughs> yes yes it was um so the captain marvel trailer have you seen the little the the twitter personality who was like okay uh the trailer for captain marvel drops samuel L. jackson has 67 words brie larson only has 33 come on marvel and i'm sitting here oh, i'm like yeah that's what? stupid 
Like, really? Like, you're going to count the words of the trailer as a metric for, like, female empowerment and everything? And, of course, she got heavily derided by fans of all shapes and sizes. Where, they, were, you know, they were coming at her like, oh, so the person of color can't have words? And they were like, oh, so, you know, oh, she's, in, she's in every single visual shot of the film, but you can't blah, blah, blah. Anyway, just I, some fans are stupid. Some fans are idiots. Many uh, of not them all these fans. Days. Yes. Not uh, our fans and not us. No, our listeners we are, are We are thoughtful. We are kind. <laughs> we let's, are thoughtful. Let's talk um, about this Zack Snyder Enterprise. So, yeah, speaking of shade, we have we have given uh, plenty our fair share of shade. To I appreciate one. your friendship because really what you're wanting to say is like, Nathan has given his fair share of shade. <laughs> <laughs> Zack no, Snyder. It's it's we. We are in. I've been event. in the sidecar, looking out at the horizon, thinking, "Please let me out." <laughs> <laughs> not, not not every episode. <laughs> like but, like um, like like Henry Cavill from his contract. You're like, "Let me oh out." My <laughs> that's, oh my god. That's it's, great. That's good. That's, I have that's a feeling this is what you're in store for, listeners. So, but no, seriously, we wanted to genuinely and authentically give a little bit of love to Zack Snyder because I, I think you would echo. We'll get into some specific here but i think you would echo like this so this was his directorial debut it was obviously it was the first thing that i saw him uh of his work because i saw it in the theater and uh i i think this movie is very strong i think this movie is is very good i have very little uh criticism to hurl at it i think it's really effective in most ways um and i still even in this rewatch thoroughly enjoyed it and had a ton of fun revisiting it um you know there's a couple of things here or there that i might sort of um you know side eye at but most for the most part this is a really strong uh, effective film would you say the same well you know um, oh I, throw all, <laughs> I throw all Zachary a lot of shade around these parts um, <laughs> I really like this movie I do, mm-hmm. I do. I'm surprising everybody. You're like Nathan. You've got a heart and a soul. Um, <laughs> only today, though. Um, <laughs> wow. So yeah, I I had seen it before. Um, I don't remember at what point, like in my knowledge of his catalog, I had seen it, but it's been a number of years, and I had not. This so so for for our conversation it was only the second time I'd seen it, but. Uh, for for all the ways it reminds it's that feeling like um you know how an actor like a jack nicholson who i mean yeah. who doesn't who dislikes jack nicholson nobody right. really right. but let's be honest much of jack's latter career is playing jack nicholson you know yeah. it's like yeah. they, these these performers or even these creative types who find their niche and never deviate that's sort of what Snyder can feel like in the same analogy. If you go watch early Jack Nicholson, you'll be like, Whoa, look, he's like trying, sure. you know? Um, <laughs> and, and here, I, I mean, I like Jack Nicholson. I'm not even just knocking him as an actor, but, but you know, at a certain point you're like, okay, you're just playing yourself um, or playing sure. your persona. Um, it was cool to have the feeling watching this. And honestly, before I watched it, I didn't, I hadn't done any reading on it. So I didn't realize it was his first feature. So it was kind of nice to feel like, well, look, this is you just (laughs) being a director before you started playing video games on on Cineplex screens. You know, like um, (laughs) it was just a really cool feeling to have this positive energy around and hear me like people like, holy crap. Right now I am playing the I'm not a huge fan of Zack Snyder persona. Sure. I 
300 really threw me off the train. Like I okay. don't, I don't like 300. I think visually sure it's fine, but, and, and honestly, a lot of it is just the cultural attitude, you know, praise of it that I'm like, oh, whatever. And, and I just never, Oh, interesting. I, I don't feel like he ever really, he doesn't just push himself. He pushes himself sort of visually in those visual, you know, CGI worlds, but not in the like, good character storytelling type stuff. So regardless, it was nice to watch Dawn of the Dead and feel like that was a very competent, very fun. And mm-hmm. and I don't know that I would say like it is a scary movie, but it's got jumps. It does what it, it does kind of what you want it to do. And, and Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And so from that standpoint, and, I did enjoy it. And I will say that, and I felt this way in the theater. I went to, I actually went to see, uh, this film, when I was living with a buddy named Lee Wright, who also co-wrote our theme music, highly. Um, so Lee and I went to see this film, and we gushed coming out of the theater about the first like ten to fifteen minutes of this movie, like all the the whole opening sequence the setup leading up. Great. Yes, yeah. the setup all the way leading into the opening credits with that Johnny Cash song over top yes. of it. And, and we said. We paid like 10 bucks a piece to see that movie in the theater, and we, all, we both said, and I still feel this way, if the film had ended at the 15-minute mark, I would have still felt satisfied. That yeah, opening it was is very, so yeah, it's strong. Great. It's incredible. And, well, let's, let's, and, let's jump into specifics. Can we do that? Sure. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, because I'm with you because like that whole opening teaser, because more or less, yeah, so it's the whole neighborhood, the pullback to the helicopter shot, or you know the big vista of the the, right. the city if you will and all the bedlam that's happening and then it cuts to kind of national footage and all this stuff with the man comes around um and actually what i wrote down is any movie even a Zack snyder movie gets points for including the man comes around by Johnny oh Cash. absolutely um, such a great song i'll say this i do love the trope the zombie movie trope and Train to Busan does this. I'm trying to think of specifically zombie movies we've watched for the show. Train to Busan and Night of the Living Dead. You could sort of say Night of the Living Dead does this, but it doesn't quite do it in the way that I'm describing here. I love the zombie movie trope of the 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 infestation happening on the periphery of our characters. You know what I mean? Like I yeah, love sure. that yeah, yeah, yeah. that trope. Like mm-hmm. just your your protagonists, your your point of view character is just going about their daily life and these things are happening in the periphery on the corners of the screen that because you know the movie you're watching you're kind of picking up on but the world of this character hasn't crashed in on them yet i just love i I just love that i think Shaun of the dead does that a good bit but i love that convention of zombie movies yeah 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 no it's very effective and obviously there's this microcosmic little world that they build up uh you know the sequence in the movie with the whole you know down with the sickness and they're all just sort of digging into being in the mall and you know uh trying on clothes and playing with the little sports equipment and and everything and so like yeah it's 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 almost like you create these little microcosms and meanwhile all of the world around them is under utter apocalypse and then it eventually sort of breaks through i do i do like that about and that that's pretty much a staple of all zombie films um you create this little microcosm of its characters and there's tension and drama within the characters we certainly get a lot of that in this film um but then the the real threat the primary sort of uh, danger is on the periphery it's outside it will break in well and, outside. and yes and but to be clear we're talking about two different things what i'm referring to specifically is just in the inciting movements of a zombie film that i'm referring to is oh, an okay. ignorant ignorant characters ignorant to the threat 
who are just oh, going about. Yeah, not, I don't okay. mean you, you are correct. It's fun watching the mall montage. What I'm referring to specifically is just when the characters themselves at the front end of a story are ignorant to what you know is happening around them. Got it. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, like, that whole so like sequence. Sarah Polly is at the hospital yes. and she's complaining about her hours and there's people coming in on a stretcher who've been attacked. And we know because we're watching Dawn of the Dead um, what's going right. on. She has no clue. She drives home. You know, she goes to bed with her husband or whoever he is. Um, oh, she encounters Vivian, the this roller sure, skater. Right. Um, right. So. So, yeah, I just love that kind of convention in these stories. Um, yeah, absolutely. And you've alluded to this and, and, and we can pivot towards the, the, the meat of the movie if we want to. But what I wrote is just a great sequence of her driving away from the house. That's just a really. Oh, it's wonderful. Yes. Excellently executed sequence. That explosion of the gas station beside her and everything. I mean, it's just, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, but it also even just before she gets out of the neighborhood, I love and it's it's a moment, a visual moment that stands out to me so much even before the rewatch. Um, you know, her boyfriend, husband, whoever he was running after the car. And then yeah. when he's running after the car, then all of a sudden he notices somebody else and like pivots. It's it's great. It's a small little touch, but it was really, really great. Um, and yeah, I, just, I, I love the chaos of that opening sequence. I love how it's intercut over news clips of people trying to come to grips with what's being said. And, and it, yeah, it's yeah, that whole opening sequence is fantastic. I do like even though there is uh, some some computer generated elements to the film. I like that there's also quite a few practical elements to the film. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And the I don't know if you know this, but the makeup uh, was actually done by, uh, I forget the name of their studio, but uh, the makeup was, was largely spearheaded by the, the makeup studio run by Heather Langenkamp. Does that name mean anything to you? It does not. Okay, so okay, so he- Heather Langenkamp was the actress, uh, the, the primary heroine in the original Nightmare on Elm Street film, also reprised her role uh, in Nightmare on Elm Street 3 and Wes Craven's New Nightmare. Heather Langenkamp's sort of main acting claim to fame was as, uh, I believe the character's Nancy in that film in uh, the Nightmare on Elm Street series. And so then she later went into more sort of behind the scenes stuff, specifically a makeup studio and her studio did the makeup for this. I think she personally oversaw a lot of it, which That's is, cool. it's great. Yeah, yeah. The, the the makeup effects in this are really, really strong, I think, as particularly when you get into some of the more outrageous things like the, the bloated woman. Oh my gosh. Uh, yes, and then the, uh, the the pregnancy and the baby yeah, scene and everything yeah. like just yeah yeah it's it, it's it's effective i'll say that but, but before we give too many props to the undead and the the uh manufactured visuals can we just take a moment and applaud the just bald faced bad assness of the performer ving rames He's he's so oh my great in gosh, this. He's so great in this. So good. Do you know that I he? Mean, what? I was just gonna say. Did you know that he campaigned to be in this film? He no, wasn't originally no, considered for it, but as soon as um, I I believe the story goes that as soon as he found out they were going to be making Dawn of the Dead uh, a remake, he he hard championed to be in the film, and he's so great. Oh, he's my favorite it, role it, in the he's movie. Great. He's wonderful. You alluded to this, so I don't want to get into full-on scares yet, but just some of the, in the likes-dislikes column. Um, I do love the kind of creepy factor. I don't know the character's name, but the old lady who goes to check on the, the boyfriend and girlfriend. Mackay Pfeiffer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. goes to check on the pregnant woman, and and just that whole sequence is is probably 
that is probably the pinnacle of just the creep factor of the movie. You know, just the sustained, sure, yes, disturbing sort of sequence that, that we as viewers know something is happening off camera that we're not yep. privy to for a, a run of the, the runtime. Um, and once you finally have that reveal happen, oh man, it's terrible. Oh yeah, no, it's that's a very effective scene, and that's sort of one of the more gut wrenching scenes in terms of like he's so lost it, you know, like oh you're trying to yeah, kill family yeah. and everything. Oh my gosh, it's yeah, it's awful. Um, but yes, that's a very very effective. I think her name is Norma, but that's a very very effective. Uh, like when she shows up and then they they wind up she and Andre, that's Mackay Pfeiffer's yeah, character. Yeah. They wind up um taking each other out, um leading all leading up to that slow reveal of the yeah. baby. Yeah. yeah, no, it's very creepy, very effective. Do you watch Modern Family? Um, I, have, I haven't in several seasons. Um, but, we, but, you, we, but you know, oh, yeah, Phil Ty Burrell. Yeah, yes. yeah, yes. Absolutely. I forgot he was in this, and I forgot what a total hole he is. He's in so it. awful. Oh, man. He's, he's so, so but he's so good at it. He's really, yes. really good at that. Just, yeah. Well, which is funny because it's really just the opposite side of the coin of Phil Dunphy. You know, it's this <laughs> droll, you know, for all of the um, bumbling naivete of Phil Dunphy, this is just the 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 droll, slimy, sarcastic. Right. He's, he is great in this film. Yes, he is. And this was the first thing that I had ever seen him in. So when Modern Family came out, I was like, oh, there's that jerk from Dawn of the Dead. <laughs> Like and now he's the, so ingrained the, as Phil Dunphy that yeah, oh, watching yeah, yeah, yeah. this it was it was kind of jarring at first to see him play that kind of role. Yeah, he's totally great in this. You you mentioned this being the first thing you'd seen him in. To my recollection, pre Modern Family, the first thing I ever saw him in. I don't know if you remember this or know this, but he's in the Edward Norton Incredible Hulk. I did not remember that. I have to rewatch that to to refresh my memory. That's fine. Um, <laughs> so yes, Ty Burrell is great. Um, a couple other likes dislikes. Now see. I would like a little bit of credit here. I really like this movie. So like I give Zack Zack Snyder a lot of shade. I am not being false in any of my uh, likes and dislikes here. I took legitimate enjoyment from watching this movie. Um, Of course. I think probably one of my, if, if the, the couple with the baby and Norma's standoff is sort of the, the nadir of the creep factor in the film, I think the pinnacle of the dramatic, arc of the movie is the um or a pinnacle i might say what is that that's not fair because the pinnacle means the one highest point right um um um, i just i just like for everybody to win really that's what i'm I'm (laughs) trying to say there or why i'm backpedaling is i love the subplot of ving rains and andy across the way i love it yes that culminates in probably one of the, to me, one of the most dramatic moments, which is him, you know, they've been riding back and forth across the, the Mm. town, the, the block to each other on these whiteboards using um, binoculars, playing chess, writing these messages to each other. They're prepping to go get him. He's been bitten. And his final message is he's, he's kind of incoherent and he just swipes in blood on this whiteboard and holds it up. Oh and there's my no, gosh. It's a it's really, really effective moment. Oh, very much so. So on the DVD, 
uh, and I would presume Blu-ray as well, there is a bonus feature. It's about 15 minutes long called, uh, I, f- I actually forget the name of it, but it's something like The Last Days of Andy or whatever. It's a, it's a 15-minute video uh, sort of montage of chronicling Andy from the time that the people across the way arrive and up through his ultimate That's demise. Cool. So That's it's cool. like a mini, a mini horror film that I think was originally intended to be somehow included in the film, but they just couldn't find a way to make it work in. So right. they included the entire, uh, you know, short film on a, on a bonus of the DVD. I'm sure it probably is on YouTube somewhere if you want to try to look for it, but it's pretty good. Like if you like this film, I would definitely encourage trying to seek that out because it's, it's a great little short. And I don't know if you heard the sort of apocryphal story that that's supposed to be like Andy from Toy Story growing up. <laughs> no, I don't know. Not every that's, not every joke's gonna. You know win, what? Okay? You should have committed to that. That would have been. That would have been. Great. I couldn't because I had nothing else to go with it. So it was just kind of. I know it, it was, was Andy. Just, it was Andy from Toy Story, but he left the toys in the mall behind, and then yeah, 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 oh, yeah. Yes. yeah. Yeah, it's all kinds of layers. They find they find a Sheriff Woody doll. And, oh my gosh! Yeah. Now I will say, uh, so I. I think that they that I don't know if it's a like or a dislike of mine, but it did stand out to me very definitively rewatching this film. Snyder's films, and I think this might be part of my difficulty with his take on the DC universe. There's a lot of fans of his take on the DC universe, but watching this film, I realized he likes somewhat fatalistic stories stories that are um that are about sort of not no win scenarios but they're very sort of dreadful endings i mean you look at you got you know it's that you know they may be no win scenarios but if you're gonna win you're gonna have to snap a brother's neck in order to win wow okay so but the the (laughs) The like you look at Dawn of the Dead and how it ends, which honestly, like the the final shot ends somewhat tragically optimistic for our main characters. But then right in the credits, they just sort of abandon all of that. Right. Um, yeah, yeah, then you yeah. think about 300, which you mentioned, which ends with literally all of our you know, spoiler alerts for 300. But it's in the premise of the film. All 300 of them basically not surviving the night, um, despite putting up a we are Spartan. But, level but there's battle. a sequel. Yeah, then there's that. Um, but then the uh, you also have Watchmen, which I would right. definitely it's the essence feel, of nihilistic. Yes, uh, fatalistic sort of superhero story. Um, so it it makes a little bit more sense when you think about that sensibility in light of some of what he brings to the DCEU that it does have that darker flavor. Again, I don't like that. I don't prefer that. Some people respond to it a little bit more strongly, but it it does sort of make sense in the light of the rest of his work that that is something he sort of is drawn to as a storyteller, as a filmmaker, is these sort of more fatalistic type of settings. Um, So anyway, just some food for thought. I don't even know if that's really a like or a dislike. It was more just an observation. Well, I mean, it's a cogent observation, and you better be careful or you're threatening to turn me into the normal Nathan Snyder. Cause, <laughs> cause then I'm like, well, exactly. And, and that methodology got uh, painted onto what is essentially probably the most uh, hopeful fictional character in the history of fictional characters. And what we yes. got is the last Man of Don murdering yes. his opponent. Um, there it is. There it is. I'm going to pivot back into a movie I like, though. Um, so one last great scene that I just love. Is his name CJ? The kind of. Yes. The jerky? main okay. sort of guard guy. Yeah. 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 My my when I write these notes, my autocorrect sometimes changes it. And I don't realize it until I'm looking at the note. Um, I love the scene when they're 
they've gone back across to get the girl who went to see Andy. Now they're going back to the mall. And I love in the sewer when the zombies start falling into the sewer after them. And he's dragging that dude who's like pistoling all of the zombies as they're following him. It's just a great, like it's it's like in, in again, the Zack Snyder verse where he wants everything to be a video game. That's a really great, like video gamey kind of moment that works in this story. And for that character, it it is a character driven moment and it's really great. And I like CJ's arc in general. Like, I like that he turns from this very sort of, you know, I think it's very intentional. He starts out at this whole, like, I will kill you if you, you know, threaten my safety. And then at the end, in, you know, appropriately fitting, he sacrifices himself by blowing up that. And and I like, I, I like the line there. I just like that whole moment where he's like figures and then like shoots the propane tank so that it will blow all of those zombies up and everything like that. I just, yeah, I like his arc in general going t- from this very selfish, self-centered, uh, you know, survive at all costs kind of jerk to actually being part of the team, saving other people, caring about other people. It's, it's a good arc. It, it, I like it. It's- it's a good arc. Like it's a it. it's a good arc. I like it. Um, I did so. Uh, that's that's my list of likes dislikes. Do you want to jump sure. into some scares here real quick? Yeah. Um, yeah. Topping topping my list of scares is the attack of Vivian, the child zombie. Oh my gosh! That she is so is, freaky. Yeah, that's when bad. She's, when she's in silhouette across the hall and then yeah. she pops oh, up great. to that, pro- oh, it's great. Man, it's great. Again, that like, even if you're if you're not really interested, if you've never seen this film, not really interested in sitting through all of it. I mean, it's worth your time. Sit through all of it. But if you're not, at least seek out and check out the first 15 minutes of it as a short self-contained. If it was self-contained, self-contained zombie story. It's fantastic. It's great. Cause she is. Yeah. She's freaky. She's really freaky. And I love like in that same sequence, uh, it's not a scare, but when, uh, Sarah Pauly's character is like running into the bathroom and takes that tumble into the bathroom, yeah, that, yeah, that yeah. Hurt my neck looking at it, I was like, Oh my gosh, it's, it's really, really well done. But getting into scares again, um, probably topping my list for more, more maybe disturbing than scary would be that, that pregnancy zombie oh, baby awful. scene. It's awful. Yeah. The whole thing is just really, it's unsettling what happens to Andre's character, how he's just sort of lost, his touch with reality and he's like this is my family i've got to protect my family even though his family is is now long dead um but the the birth of, and the reveal of the big zombie baby it's just yeah it's very freaky it tops my list yes that one is rough a few just little you know running guns i do love the basement swarm when they're in yes the, uh, oh yes cellar or whatever it is for all my sort of dings on snyder's total oeuvre in terms of the CGI, the overuse of CGI. I actually love the visual late in the film of once they've fortified these transports and are yes. leaving them all. And it's, there's this wide shot of just these two like tank transports in the dark with these massive headlights and just, just thousands. Oh of my God. It's yes. just a great image. It's a great visual that just really works for that moment. Oh, I totally this is, agree. This is right before they blow up the the, the tank. Yeah, the propane tank. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah one of them. Um, yeah, it's it's that that whole sequence of escaping. Like, it's really awesome. Like the whole sequence of them escaping the mall in these fortified buses is really great. And yes, I love that visual. Um, another scare that I would put. It's it's not major, but I 
Well, I mean, it's it's pivotal to the whole thing. It was a very big shift at the time. Fast zombies is not very rare or uncharacteristic anymore, but it was a big deal in 2004. I would need to look back. I believe that the film 28 Days Later, I'm pretty positive it preceded Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead. And 28 Days Later has fast zombies in it, um, if you want to call them zombies. But that was still a relatively new convention in 2004 when Snyder made this film. And I... Some some fans of the original, of the George Romero original, where the zombies are creeping and slow, they did not prefer these these fast zombies. But I think it makes well, I think it Romero makes Romero himself did not. Yes, no, zombies. absolutely, absolutely. But uh, personally, I think it works. Now t- take a take a brief moment because I, I feel remiss that we haven't done this. Like, presumably you've seen this. How do you feel have, about yeah. the original? Uh, so here's the compare, here's the difficulty. Compare it briefly to this. I actually wanted to refresh myself with the original to, to in preparation for this conversation i had severe difficulty except for uh, a a print that was like on youtube of something somebody like tried to bootleg and i wa- i made it like through 2 minutes of it when i was like i can't watch this anymore uh the original 1978 dawn of the dead is uh, painfully unavailable uh to stream anywhere or rent um it i was not able to locate it the blu-ray on amazon is going for somewhere like 150 dollars um, wow. it is it is very difficult to find at the moment um i have seen it but it has been years it's probably been more than 2 decades since i saw the original 1978 Dawn of the Dead. My memory of it is that I liked it, but it's very difficult for me to speak to any specifics because, like I said, it was a long time ago and I couldn't refresh for this recording. But it is a sequel to Night of the Living Dead, which we did cover, right? Yes. So so Romero's Romero's Dawn of the Dead is a direct sequel to Night of the Living Dead, although... If you've seen Night of the Living Dead, you will understand why no characters recur between the two. They are essentially treated as two completely compartmentalized films. Um, but yes, it does take place in the same world, and it is a direct sequel to the original Night of the Living Dead, uh, with all of Romero's same sensibilities, social commentary, uh, metaphorical, you know, the zombies mean a lot of things in the specific shots and in the overall tone of how they operate. So yeah, it, it is a direct sequel to Night of the Living Dead. Do you you brushed up against this? Do you have as a as a horror aficionado? Do you have a preference or strong opinion one way or the other about fast or not fast zombies? I think they both have their strengths. I think if you are wanting something that is more stressful and tense, like jump scare type of things, then fast zombies are are the best for that. If you're looking for something that's a little bit more unsettling and creepy and perhaps I would say longer lasting of an effect, then I prefer the slow zombies. If you're just going by my preference, I prefer slow zombies. But I think there's what about the medium zombies? Because we cannot... Medium zombies just get know. hacked and slashed. I couldn't care less. You yeah. mean walking dead zombies, and I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, my very last note on scares, which is less a scare and more just an OMG moment, was how terrible it is when the old dude accidentally chainsaws a Oh, my hat. gosh. Yeah, it's... I, so- love, I love how the movie doesn't even really, like, honor it at all. It just happens. No. You're like, no. oh, my God, that happened. 
Yeah, it's 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 terrible because it is. It's a it's like a supposedly a big elaborate effect that they had to do, but it's Not over sure. in in seconds. And yeah, characters don't really acknowledge anything other than just to be like, well, that happened, and then and then like that's it. I mean, they they really don't acknowledge the loss of those two characters or the trauma of seeing one of them literally chainsawed in half. Uh, yeah, it's it's awful. That's what I got for scared. Do you have anything else for scared? No, no, we can pivot straight into themes if you'd like. Um, would you like? I would I'm, like. I'm just here for the show, so if you <laughs> want to do that, we can do that. Yeah, go ahead. What you got? Um, I've got a little bit of a little. A little bit of a little. It's funny, uh, reading about this movie after the fact, many of its critics, I think Ebert was one amongst them, uh, what they criticize is, you, like you mentioned a minute ago, Romero's much more metaphorical societal examination type of sure approach what a lot of critics of this one leveled against it was it kind of doesn't bother at all with some of that mm, stuff mm-hmm. um i did find some things in it or, or at least some some potential launch pads but but i i don't totally disagree with that it is and which isn't a slight against Snyder per se although maybe ultimately but is just my way of saying okay yeah it was just a, it was a fun zombie movie <laughs> and, and it, right, it, it right, didn't right, right. it didn't kind of transcend that um which i think is okay from time to time uh one just really run and gun and then i've got one that could potentially be go deeper a character on screen it just really stood out to me and actually i think this actor is one of the actors from the original night looking dead is the sheriff character it's when cj is watching footage of them out in the outside world Yes. Um, yes. And the line is America always sorts it out um, while they're burning bodies and talking about shooting them in the head. And I don't know. It just had this weird kind of troubling ring to it in that way that Mm -hmm. America sorting its stuff out through violence and and lighting things on fire. Um, (laughs) Yes. But again, that was just sort of a a note I took there. Um, I think... Now, I guess I should ask you, do you have any real big specifics? Nothing, nothing of substance. Uh, I wrote down the line, you know, which actually I don't think we mentioned this in Trivial Bits, but three of the actors from the original 1978 Dawn of the Dead do make brief cameos in this. Uh, The most prominent and noticeable of them would be um, uh, Tom Savini, uh, but there's also Ken Foree and Scott Reininger. They all appear in those little news clips, but I wrote down the line delivered by Ken Foree, which said, you know, when there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk the earth. And so I had written down just this notion, this vague somewhat nebulous notion of this idea of evil spilling out like like you feed you feed a certain degree of of death and destruction and then it does spill out into areas that are supposed to be vibrant and full of life i we can scratch that itch if you want to and it sort of go down that path but that's really the primary thing that i that i wrote down is just this notion of yeah that when when just the way he says the line when there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk the earth. And if you overstuff a thing, if you feed evil enough, it will spill out into what is good. And really, I don't, I don't know how much more discussion we could do about that, but some food for thought. And done. No. <laughs> um, well, let me throw this, this body on the fire and see if it lights. Um, because it may, and, and which isn't me ignoring what you just said. It's, it's maybe there's, a way to 
make an angle on both of these work. So there's this thing I've been thinking about a lot lately. And I've been, you know, like I said, and, and anyone who wants to really fully enmesh themselves in this conversation in a few weeks, uh, go check out The Stand in some form. Uh, having been reading that, watching Dawn of the Dead, living in America in 2018, um, I think a lot about sort of, um, I'm going to say the word and then backpedal apocalyptic. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to say this phrase I wrote down and then we can sort of figure out what the hell it means. What I wrote down in my observation of Dawn of the Dead was that societal progression is entropic. Do you like that? Yeah, uh, in, very in, good. Entropy. The word entropy kept coming to me as you watch the breakdown of society, you know, in this yeah. movie, like civilization. Well, the thing I've really had in my sort of lodge in my spirit lately, and again, this is barred some from swimming in the stand. This is barred from Dawn of the Dead, because this is the phrase I wrote down watching that movie unrelated to the stand. But I feel like I had this weird kind of prick in my spirit recently in those ways that occasionally and not enough happen to us as what we would want to say are we are faithful followers of Jesus of like, our lives are so busy and so full, which is not inherently and always a bad thing. Yeah. But I've been thinking about what you and I, how we might define, and I just say you and I, because we tend to be simpatico on some of these thoughts, but there, there's, sure. more just, there's more than just you and I who would feel this way, how we might define the kingdom, you know, this, this sort of, because there's your, your by and by sort of scenario of, okay, well, once we pass away and, and what does the communion of saints look like? And, you know, and I sort of mean that literally, what does it look like visually? Yeah. You know, sort yeah. of tapest, tapestry idea. I think I think I have this, and when I say this prick in my spirit, in my head, I was I was on a, in a car, uh, in a car ride recently, and some of these thoughts were just percolating. And you watch something like Dawn of the Dead, where this social entropy just keeps taking place until there literally is no one, right? I mean, right, as you just right. said, is what are the palpable, what are the tactical implications of kingdom community right now? Like how. Mm how do we actually do it? And this is what I mean by like our days are so full with commitments and family obligations and, and getting kids fed into bed and occasionally trying yeah. to find time with your spouse. Like there's just so much, so many demands. Um, and I know I'm pivoting from the movie, but I'm using these ideas as anchors from the movie. So we're just kind of wandering around the beach a little bit and, seeing what, yeah. what yeah, we yeah, find yeah. here. Like, and, and, and I, I feel like I'm not doing a good job, but, I, but it's meant to be a tactical question. And that is like, what does it literally look like? Mm. Because, because we are so, and you and I would fancy ourselves thinkers in whatever way that means. So we ponder these things a lot and, and sort of maybe meditate on, maybe pray on, maybe dwell on these things, maybe have conversations about these things. But, but when push comes to shove, and maybe the, maybe a better question is what are we waiting for mm. and, and, and what are we waiting on? You know, because I feel like if I'm perfectly honest as a human, I think I wait on far more than I act on. Yes, I would. And, yeah, I would say and, the same for myself. And that and that there are moments where you're like, oh, my God, what? Like I am. I, I wait on all things. And I don't even mean that. I, I, I don't mean that as a positive. 
Mm. I mean that as a, well, you know, one day what I think the kingdom looks like is going to happen naturally and su- or supernaturally. But I would say theologically, I believe we are called to make tangible the kingdom presently. So yes. if I theologically and or intellectually believe that, what, what, and not like, I'm not, I don't even mean self-recriminating. I just mean like, what, what does it look like to, what does it look like to fight against the horde? You know, when, when, right. when there's no room left in hell, the devil, there, what does it mean to fight against that? And not in a combative militaristic way, just in a like, well, we, we link arms and we, we, we partner together and we, we, uh, uh co-labor, you know, like what are these tactical ways that aren't as, that aren't as sugar-coated as, well, you, you go to church on Wednesday night with the youth group and you do the Sunday morning thing. Like those are fine. and Those are good. But there's such a conventionality at this point. Like, do we do those things because we're culturally enmeshed in it? Mm. Do we do that? I, I, I'm, I'm throwing a lot on the table right now. I get it. Yeah. And, no, no, and no. So, yeah. so yeah. What are, what are some feelings? So I, we, uh, am I ridiculous for sort of pondering this out of this movie? <laughs> no, no, not, not at all. I don't think. Uh, and, and I even have a scripture verse that I think will, will resonate with you that the, there's this, this notion we went to a, my, my wife and I go to a biweekly uh, marriage connect group, just a bunch of couples getting to sit around. You have a small little Bible study and then you just discuss uh, living and life and marriage and, and, you know, how to navigate it all. And in that, uh, in, in a recent one, uh, it came up, it said, you do things for God. And that's in air quotes that the listeners can't see. You do things for God. And there was a very real question on the table of like, yeah, well, what do we mean when we say that? What do we mean when we say we're doing something for God? Or what do we mean when we say we're doing something for us, like as a couple? What do we mean when we're saying we do something for the good of the country? What do you mean when you're saying you're doing something for your family? What do you mean when you say that? Um, and I think it's imperative i think it can be very easy for us to sort of slide into routines of this is just how we operate this is just the rote day-to-day operations and and truly forget what ends we are pursuing or what ends we should be pursuing and i think what happens when that gets when that gets backwards and gosh i don't have it in front of me Maybe I'll take a moment and look it up, or but I'll, but I'll paraphrase it. Um, Martin Luther King had said in in a sermon, I don't think it was in one of his more famous speeches, but he had said in a in a lesser known sermon where he said, you know, the 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 ends like we we focus on the means and we neglect the ends. So we we are focusing on how we're going to do a thing, and we completely abandon what purposes we are pushing towards. And I feel like. That's something that we in this culture can really get caught up in. We've taught you and I have talked a lot about people's presence on social media, the decay of interpersonal relationships, the decay of our our value, our individual value to the the world around us, to our sphere of influence, if you want to call it that. Um, we forget that there is something to which we should always be pursuing, i.e. what you and I would call the kingdom, as you as you brought up, that sure. there's something that we must always keep our eyes fixed upon for an eventual unveiling, revealing, for something that we will bring forth, that we will usher forth into our present reality. And so I feel like sometimes it can be 
just painfully easy for us to get caught up in the means, in the routine, and neglect the ultimate ends. And I think that uh, the means, (laughs) not meaning to play on words here, but the means mean nothing if they are not informed by your ultimate end of what you're trying to pursue. I think otherwise it's going to decay around you. Otherwise it's going to, uh, it's going to just dissolve and fall apart. Um, I don't know that it will mean zombie apocalypse, but it's, (laughs) it's, but that, but that is the, that is the, the entropy. The, the, the more things progress, I forget exactly how you phrased it, but it was, it was wonderful the way you put it. The more things progress, potentially the more they will decay. Um, and that's, that's something we must always I want, I want to real of. quick before we get too far from that. I want to pounce on your ends means language there because it's funny. I feel like you described, you painted a picture that I would say is a little bit reversed, not, which isn't me disagreeing with you. It's just me reflecting. Like, I think what I feel like I see more often than not these days is we will utilize any means to justify what we perceive as our end. Like, Mm. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. um, Yeah. As opposed to getting, if I understand what you were saying correctly, we focus too much on the means with, with neglecting the end. And, you know, personally, as I view the world around us right now, or America around us or Christian church in America around us right now, there's a degree to which any means necessary for some particular end is, is viable, which, which I would reject wholeheartedly. But, but I think I referenced this book a year and a half ago at this point. Uh, but, um, Brad Jerzak's her King, her gates will never be shut, which is a, if you've grown up in the evangelical American church is going to be a rather radical reshaping of your, view of sort of the eschaton you like these words uh, yes um, you've been reading <laughs> um <laughs> i is small um of end times of end things and it was really a really powerful and i don't even know that i'd say transformative because i feel like i was already kind of on a path to where this book kind of solidified some things for me but but where i'm going with this simply is i think there was a way that the traditional evangelical end times theology always bothered me in such a way that I felt discomforted by its deployment by Christians. That's a weird statement to make, or or rather a cumbersome statement to make. Where I'm going with this, though, is this book specifically and the the schools of thought that it encapsulates, uh, again, the book, Her Gates Will Never Be Shut, gave me an end. Yeah that I could not just believe in, but now work in favor of. Right. Thus, and hear me, I'm not at all saying like, I get this right every moment of every day. God knows that is not true. But at least as a goalpost, it gives me a means I can now utilize, even though I don't always tactically know what those means are, you know, Sure. Uh, yeah, 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 of course. But but it gives me means I can utilize or energy and confidence in the means because I now have what I think is a better end articulated. Yeah. I don't know if that makes any sense at all. No, it, it well, it does to me. And to, uh, like to sort of, I, I don't think we were painting terribly disparate pictures, but we were saying something slightly different. I think 
what end you're actually ultimately pursuing matters. And I think in your in your case, what you see in the world around you is pursuing ends, which I would point fingers at as suspect like you're, sure, you're pursuing sure, sure. you're pursuing an end much less that than I means to get there but yes ex- exactly and you know it's like you're pursuing an end that i don't think is the most valuable for you to pursue or the most wholesome or healthy for you to pursue um and the means th- now you've propped up this end that is okay it's 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 security at all costs or it's uh you know wealth at all costs or whatever it is and then you use your means to prop up that end and now it's all getting distorted and twisted, not realizing that you're propping up decay. And I think that, so the, the scripture verse that I had in mind from what you were basically saying is, is uh first Corinthians chapter 15 verse 53. It says very simply for the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. And obviously, the, the, the language there is arresting to me of this notion of, well, first of all, clothing yourself basically invites thoughts of intention. You have to actually clothe yourself. And so when you think about this, this idea of us constantly pursuing perishable ends by perishable means, no wonder entropy occurs. Just yes. the, the more we get better at those things, we're just pursuing mm, perishable good. ends by perishable means. And the perishable must clothe itself with imperishable and the mortal must clothe itself with immortality. And that's something basically to, to use rather bumper sticker Christian ease language to become more kingdom minded, to become more looking towards eternal factors, greater factors beyond just the substance here and now just this generation, just this present moment and looking beyond to say, well, what are we? What are we ultimately reaching forward? Now, we can't be in that future right now, but I think we must always, with our eyes sort of attuned to the horizon, be in our imaginations fostering that that eventual horizon. Um, And I think that is part of the difficulty of pursuing faithful good works in the midst of a bunch of decay is it, you really want to just sort of throw up your hands and just be cynical and just and and when i say you want to i don't know that people actually desire it but it does sure. become yeah, yeah. easier it right. becomes easiest right. to just be cynical rather than daily weekly monthly yearly actively putting on imperishable thinking on these things as the scripture says elsewhere making sure that you're in constant pursuit of goodness and rightness and wholeness and holiness um something that is again more substantive of eternity than of just this present predicament in which we stand and i think that's that's something we are rapidly it's slipping through our fingers desperately and we're all in danger of it i think a large part of it is you know, how social media has changed us, how the political landscape has changed us, and also just our creature comforts in this country have changed us to think more of the of the now. I mean, I'm not going to just rail on it totally, but but this this whole YOLO idea, like like this whole idea of you only live once. So, you know, it's all about this pleasure seeking. It can turn into. Because I know that I understand that sometimes it can be used in a different way, but it can turn into this very self-seeking, pleasure-seeking, let me pad up my own comfort and my own security and my own well-being without the eye towards more communal eternal ends. And And I do think that beyond that lies death and beyond that lies decay. Maybe not zombie apocalypse, but uh, But maybe 
<laughs> I mean, God forbid that the new day dawning that we are championing and that we are saying like, hey, the new the new day that is coming be a literal dawn of the dead, um, that it just be this arising of all that is decayed and all that is worthless and wasted and chafe and, and chasing after the wind. Like, God, please forbid and save us from championing a new day that is merely just a dawn of the dead. And I know that's a silly play on words directly related to the film, but I mean it like, you know, save us from that. Let us awaken to new life and not just awaken to more death and decay, please. You know, and that's something that we have a choice in how we pursue it and how heavily we pursue it and and what means and ends become priorities to us. I think that's vital. I think it's important. Hmm. It's funny you saying that conjured in me a whole new thematic thread of like in the movie. And I'm, I'm just, I'm really meaning this as a touch and go sort of comment, but sure. In the movie, there, there's almost an appropriateness to them staying in it. Right. Because their fleeing is what results in their demise. Like, you know, is, is the metaphor we're after. And I don't know that it is. I'm just sort of pondering on the fly here. Like, sure. Is, is the metaphor of living amidst the undead an appropriate one too? You know what I mean? Like we're, we are oh, in the middle wow. of it, yeah. you yeah. know, you, you, you acknowledge it and you can name it and you can call it out and you live amongst it, <laughs> you know, like yeah. it's when you try to flee it and try to pretend it doesn't exist or that it can't get you or hurt you, um, that maybe you suffer mm. a, an untimely demise. I, I don't know. That's again, that's, uh, yeah. Mal- malformed, but it was interesting. <laughs> Interesting thought pondered there. Well, that's, no, that's, what I, that's what I got, Riri, for old 105. Are we on 105? Yeah, yeah, we're on 105. No, I think that's a good, I think that's a good place to, to end it if you want to go ahead and bring in our, uh, our good friend old zombie-ass pumpkins. So uh, as, we, as we talk about on every film that we cover, uh, we measure this by a very specific, unique rating to a uh, number of David S. Pumpkins in style, scares, and substance. So Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead from 2004. Um, I'll go first on style. I think that while I would like to see more character development than, than this film really delivers for me, I do think there's some good character work um, visually there's some incredible things I can't praise highly enough the first 15 minutes again um, and several other moments throughout the film so I'm going to land actually on a four for style for myself I because I do not want it said that Nathan is ungracious um, <laughs> and and can't nuance his, his you know disparate views um, I'm going to join you with a four I find All this right. a thoroughly right. I, like I find this a thoroughly just enjoyable movie. It is fun sure. to watch. Um, it is kind of for me the definition of like not too gross or nihilistic or whatever. It's a fun just kind of popcorn zombie romp. Sure, absolutely. Now, what would you say for scares? I I don't think there's a lot of dread, but like I'm gonna give I'm gonna give it squarely a three, like a solid okay. solid three. I do think probably two and a half of those three are made up of the pregnancy stuff. Like that's just so troubling. I don't know beyond that. There's a whole lot to be like, there's a couple of jump moments, but sure. 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 Ton ton beyond that. Well, you sat with me with the style. I'm going to sit right with you with the scares. I think three is an appropriate sort of scare rating for this film. There's some good jumps. Um, there's some great effects work. But yeah, I think I think three is the number that feels right if I'm measuring scares in total. Now, uh, for substance, 
Um, this one's tricky. I, I, I kind of would like to lean in a little bit more, and I definitely think the zombies as a systemic metaphor are ripe for conversation no matter what context you have them in. But I think this particular film doesn't lean too heavily on the substance factor. I'm going to land also at a three for substance for myself. Yeah, don't let's let it not be said that for all the good things I might have said this episode that I don't generally dislike Wow. So end on. I'm just going to give it a two and a half just for spite. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Um, no, I mean, it and, didn't and, have and to I, be spite. I know, I know. I, I'm, I'm being silly there. I mean, I, I, I do enjoy the movie. I think the places we took it are more rooted in the zombie sort of genre per se than necessarily what this movie is totally interested in. Sure. Um, sure. So, so I'll, I'll stick with my two and a half then. All right. Well, that means that we give Zack Snyder's 2004 remake of George Romero's Dawn of the Dead a six and a half out of ten. David S. Pumpkins, which is the solid showing. That's it I, is I mean, a solid showing. Nothing to balk at. No. Um, so so yeah, we give it a six and a half. David S. Pumpkins. It is worth your time. Like especially if you are a zombie film fan and have not seen this film, um, it is way more readily available than George Romero's original. Please, somebody, Anchor Bay, Scream Factory, some. Somebody re-released George Romero's original. But um, in the meantime, Zack Snyder's film is very worthy. Um, I think as a directorial debut, it is really uh, adept and it is uh, it is well worth your time. So, yeah, seek out Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead. So, Nathan. Read. That was, that was 105 in the books. But next week, we are starting something that I am extremely excited about. You have voted, listeners. Your votes have been tallied. We have collected your top hundred uh, hashtag I love the 80s films your favorite hundred 80s horror films we will count down for you the top 50 over the course of the month of October we will do we will count down starting at number 50 we will count down culminating in your top 10 surrounding the week of Halloween and all of the main episodes starting next month are going to be from your selected top 10 so uh please stay tuned through october for hashtag i love the 80s and should we go ahead and tell them what the first installment is so that they course. can watch it and prepare yeah. so um we won't tell you where it is located in the top 10 but one of your top 10 films was the john landis directed 1981 werewolf classic an american werewolf in london so oh, oh. Check that film out and check us out next week when we talk about it. Nathan, thank you so Reed, much for it's been, hanging out with It's me. been a pleasure having an extended number two with you. I mean, it just has. You know? <laughs> the I mean, love time. There's, there's none I'd rather be having a number two this long with than you. It's so awesome. <laughs> uh, well, thank you, everybody, yeah. for staying with us. We'll see you guys next week. There's a man going around taking names, and he decides who to free and who to blame. Everybody won't be treated all the same. There'll be a golden ladder reaching down when the man comes around. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. And you can continue the conversation in a variety of ways. You can follow us on Twitter, at The Fear of God. You can like and follow us on Facebook or join the Facebook Fear of God discussion group. You can follow us on Instagram at Fear of God Podcast. 
Go to morethanonelesson.com for show notes or to leave a comment on this post or any of the other official episode posts. Email us at fearofgodpodcast at gmail.com. And last but not least, if you listen to us through iTunes, we would greatly appreciate a rating or review. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. Voices calling, voices crying Some are born and some are dying It's Alpha and Omega's kingdom come And the whirlwind is in the thorn tree The virgins are all trimming their wicks The whirlwind is in the thorn tree It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks Till Armageddon, no shalom, no shalom Then the father hen will call his chickens home The wise men will bow down before the throne And at his feet they'll cast their golden crowns